Afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours. And this is an exact example that if you want to make God laugh, come up with a well-developed plan. I was all situated at Aspire, my dear friends, Dr. Lacey Book and Dr. Sean Dill. I was at Aspire, uh, surrounding myself with the extraordinary likes of Tim Story, Gary Vee, Jesse Itzler, amazing people. And I was all set to watch them uh, after I spoke. And I get a call from uh, a friend in Orange County that their keynote dropped out. And would I like some money to go speak in Orange County? So you got Mobile Meltzer on Office Hours with my two best <laughs> friends, Dr. Lacey Book and Dr. Sean Dill. Thank you very much for joining me. We're excited to be here. Well, we got a third doc in the house. So if I'm not healthy enough, we'll have a threesome of health and wellness. The Chief Innovation Officer at Nova Southeastern University executive director of the Allen B. Levin NSU Broward Center, close to you too. Welcome to Office Hours, Dr. John. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Can't wait. Oh, neither can we. Well, you are creating a, if not mistaken, a theme park for entrepreneurs uh, mm -hmm. looking to support what's one of the most challenging, but in my opinion, most rewarding and important uh, industry or career that you can have, which is entrepreneurs will save this world. We'll figure out how to fill up the sky, the hole in the sky. We'll figure out how to take the plastic and turn it into energy or food. So thank you for everything that you're doing to support uh, this entrepreneurial theme park. What exactly does the theme park actually consist of? So we've technically trademarked it as the world's first theme park for entrepreneurs. It's the only one in the world that has figured out how to reverse engineer the success of an entrepreneur from birth of an idea right through successful exit of a company or global expansion. So it's an incubator, it's an accelerator, but it's a whole lot more. Imagine a giant collision station that acts as an economic development engine here in South Florida with local, regional, national, international impact with customized programs, wraparound services, uh, professional networks, emerging technologies that have been built into this 54,000 square foot purpose-built facility. And the only way to describe it without seeing it is that it's truly a mega shopping mall that has storefronts for every product or service that an entrepreneur would need to make them successful through that entire journey. So we tested the philosophy that you could come in and create an idea uh, and so ideate it, incubate it, accelerate it, and then potentially post-accelerate it, which was the merger acquisition IPO. And we actually did so recently with our very first successful exit from start to finish. We'll make the big announcement in November, um, but we tested the model and it's truly working. That's amazing. Uh, John, I was reading a little bit about this theme park for entrepreneurs, and um, I also saw that there's like a lot of co-working spaces and other things that support entrepreneurs throughout their journey. And so my first thought was, well, number one, the the concept seems phenomenal, but number two, I bet there's a lot of other things that coming out, isolating and putting entrepreneurs that have ideas together. Have you seen other things happen by just having all of these people get to experience this process together? Absolutely. So what we've done is we purposely made different stations that occur where you, you're forced to collide. So if you were guests today here in the Innovation Center, 
you probably would have been introduced to 20 or 30 other folks that you never knew before or they didn't know you and now all of a sudden you've got new ideas that are colliding with um, well-established entrepreneurs that have already been there done it if you will or big brand flags that are actually physically resident in here that are now meeting the basement or garage entrepreneur that they never had access to and bigger and better things happen all of the time so often what happens is when an entrepreneur gets together with another entrepreneur their original idea actually goes out the window and something else transpires out of that and uh, and some really great successes and um, what we've seen over the last year and a half that we've actually been open is that we've now filed 13 patents and launched 37 new products um, out of this that probably none of them would have actually made it into the commercial market or get ready to go into the commercial market if they didn't have that interaction with those other people that we put within that professional network. Well, John, obviously one of the things that's super important to us here is mentorship, right? Receiving great mentorship, guidance, and coaching. Talk to us a little bit about number one, um, because I think that sometimes that might be an obstacle for people jumping into entrepreneurship. So one, how does somebody get involved in the program? How does somebody bring their idea to the table? And two, what type of mentorship are you guys providing for them to help to cut that learning curve, help to accelerate that process to bring them to that path of success faster? Well, I've always said if you don't have a plan, plan to fail. And I can also say if you don't have a mentor or a mentorship model, also plan to fail. So, for example, if you're an entrepreneur that wanted to be in the world of sports, entertainment, sports technology, I would line them up with David, who would already be a vetted mentor. And now he, he or she has access to information and experience that they never had before. So one of our missions, really at the core of our mission, is to find that, that entrepreneur that doesn't even know that there's a world out there that they can actually be successful in. They may have a great idea, but they don't know where to go and get it to the next level. And that's why most of those ideas never make it into the commercialized environment. So we have ways of doing outreach and getting into different communities from the well-established to the underserved and also working in partnership with other community-based organizations to find those entrepreneurs and then create the education and awareness programs. And they're not always done in the innovation center. Sometimes we bring that out to your community. Um, in fact, recently we just won a $2 million federal government grant to build an innovation center on wheels. It's a double-decker bus that will be outfitted with emerging technologies where we can bring products and services and events and those technologies and skills to those underserved communities and get to them. So we're democratizing that environment. Um, we also host an awful lot of events every single day, pretty much seven days of the week. We are built to be a 24-7 facility, which we're now maturing into. And uh, as a result of drawing people into special days, like something called South Florida Innovation Day or South Florida Space Day or workshops, seminars, uh, people naturally find us through the community. And South Florida is the smallest, biggest community in existence. Somewhere, somebody knows somebody um, to get them in. Uh, but our job is to find the ones that people can't find and then match them with the investors that are looking for those early stage opportunities to provide them that initial seed capital rather than going to the friends and family. So that's my guidance. Don't go to the friends and family. You know, OPM, we call it other people's money. And we try to make sure that we can I mean, make sure it's an OPM, not OPM, um, that we, we put you together uh, and to find that money to get you across the, 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 the first hurdle that you're going to, to, to struggle with. But we really bring that outside world to you once we find you and it's a challenge finding those entrepreneurs but once we we got them they they go and find their friends and it's like a shampoo commercial you know one person tells a person who tells another person well you definitely have to be very cautious uh you'd be very very cautious with the triple entendre when you're talking about opm and opm or even opp i'm down <laughs> with 
I'm very, very careful. Uh, but you know what's so interesting is Sean, Lacey, and I, uh, we obviously have a huge community of people uh, in the same space that we're trying to help as well and different funding opportunities and mentorship and coaching and teaching that's required. And all of us have agreed that as great as the virtual uh, experiences are and virtual communities are, that the in-person experience is still of great value. And we feel in the future, it's going to be even of greater value as AI and deep fakes and other types of repetitive information and synthesis of information uh, become more commonplace. Uh, when you decided to put such a great investment into a live facility, a brick and mortar kind of 25,000 square foot facility, uh, how did you guys plan on utilizing the reconciliation between this great environment of virtual with old school facility and brick and approach so um so I'll, I'll answer that quite easily and i didn't touch on the event on the mentoring piece i should have noted too that we actually have an organization that partners with us called the Venture Mentoring Team, VMT, and we're the first chapter in the United States. So when you do come in here, we actually align you with the right mentor based on personality, experience, et cetera. So that's already built in. Um, David, to answer your question, what was interesting is when we built the space out, uh, I mean, it's significant. 54,000 square feet is the same size as a bed, bath, and beyond. I got to come up with a different analogy now um, for that. <laughs> but, you know. One day it's going to say I'm as big as the Levant Center of Innovation, but um, we we were ready to open and we, we designed and built this thing through COVID. And when we were ready to open, we weren't allowed to. So we had no choice but to go to the virtual world. And that's how we built up our initial fan base, if you will. But we realized that one on one versus virtual, there are pros and cons to all of that. But we try to encourage in person as much as possible. But we do actually allow access to certain types of programs and events and services virtually but there are limited capabilities with that but the reality of it is you really need to be one-on-one -on -one. you need to be with other people that are in the same position as you and and you become best friends and you never know who's sitting next to you at the table and uh, and that in developing those relationships in person there's nothing like doing that face to face so that's what we encourage and about 90 percent of everything we do is based on on that model it just has to be it's quite impressive and really encouraging and inspiring knowing that our entrepreneurs are going to save this world and we need more programs and more facilities like the ones you're creating. I know Sean, Lacey and I would all be more, would very much be interested in learning more to so see how we could be of service or value, especially with my two friends down in Southern Florida, they're nearby as well. So make sure that uh, you're reaching out to our team. We have other platforms. More people need to know about this program. Hopefully we can model it even further being in South Florida and around the world. Uh, great idea. Start to finish this way. It can help you. Thank you, uh, doctor, for joining us. And everyone, if you want to reach out and learn more about it, it's nova.edu slash innovation. Thanks for joining us. We'll, we'll see you soon and reach out. Thank you. Come visit. You got a VIP tour on your horizon. Absolutely. Right. Thank you. We're coming your way. And there's quick draw Luca getting rid of Dr. John faster than uh, <laughs> it can be. Sometimes she's very she's very aggressive with my guests. Uh, anyway, hopefully, hopefully she'll be a little bit lighter on the on the the, the pointer finger there here with Allison. Allison, I apologize in advance, but thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> David, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. 
you know, my team's really good. The producers of the show of thematically putting our guests together and, you know, no doubt as we look at your founding and managing director of Engage Mentoring, as we just get off with Dr. John there uh, to promote in the Engage Leadership Program, which I think synergistically would go really well uh, with the programs here in South Florida. Give us an idea uh, as you are working in the realm of uh, mentorship, uh, how to integrate leadership uh, as a quality or characteristic in that mentorship program. Yeah, well, thanks so much. And it is, it was so interesting and what a phenomenal program. So it was really great for me to hear a little bit more about that as well as a founder of a company. Uh, yeah, so that's the space that we play in is, is primarily working with work workplaces and leaders in workplaces to really help tactically teach them how to pour into others as, as mentors. So we have a software platform that's scalable. We work with companies of all sizes to construct mentoring programs and our, our product is now deployed in 30 countries. But the, you know, the, the core and, and where we would want to start regardless of the size of the company is with the leaders. And there are a lot of different ways that we can teach people how to lead, but teaching them how to actually not just be a mentor, mentor, which is traditionally what we look to our leaders to do, but to be able to connect externally to other other leaders and other companies in a, in a mentorship capacity is a huge value because the higher you go, the more critical mentoring becomes and the harder it is sometimes to access. And, and so that's why we're most excited about this. Um, it, it, it's really an entry point for companies to work with us is to, you know, kind of start with their leaders and their high potential employees. Uh, and then in the long run, the home run for us is if we can become part of how a company would articulate to an employee why they would want to come work here and, and that you know there's a program that's open to all uh and uh and so the engaged leadership program is it's a tech enabled leadership and mentoring program for for leaders people leaders and high potentials allison i absolutely love this platform because sean and i both work with and of course david works with a lot of business owners entrepreneurs that are growing a business Number one, I got to say kudos to you guys for focusing on smaller companies as well, because what I notice is that people often struggle with the leadership component. They're so good at their skill set and managing a small team, but they forget to invest in how to become a better leader. Right. And this is such a big hole, especially as they're scaling. So what do you find like people need most and and what are they getting out of the platform? Yeah, sure. Well, and I will say for the first few years, that's where we were focusing was on the larger companies, you know, because we had the scalable platform. But we realized, just like you said, it's the smaller and mid-sized companies that probably need it the most and, and typically don't have resources like ours to be able to support their employees in a scalable program that, that is really impactful and measurable. And so, you know, what we see the most is, is that, uh, well, especially in smaller environments, people are promoted so quickly, right? They, that, that we're not taking the time, you know, a lot of times you get promoted past the, the all the great things that come after. <laughs> I remember when I was working in industry, I got promoted really quickly and, and they introduced a leadership program for my direct reports and I had bypassed all of that. And I was like, hey, what are you learning in there? <laughs> you know, uh, so, uh, so we, we see that a lot when, when, a, when a company is growing really quickly, where they're, they're moving people into leadership roles because they're great individual contributors, but they're not giving the skills necessary to, to really pour into others or, or to understand what it means to really lead. 
Um, and and then the other thing is there's a lot of different leadership development programs out there. If you think about if you've ever had the challenge of, of promoting someone into a role and finding out they lack the necessary skills and how painful that is and how expensive that can be, um, you know, or uh, just having open positions that you can't fill because you don't have the pipeline to fill them, you know, you, you realize then the value of ensuring that, you know, we're, we're intentional about developing our, our people. And it really does start with our leaders um, you know, to ensure that they have the skills necessary to pour into others and that we're addressing succession planning and knowledge transfer and all those things uh, that really make a great environment. One of the challenges with these small businesses, and I agree, most people generally are just promoted up to their highest level of incompetency, right? right. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're no longer useful. Yep. But another giant challenge, especially as we're addressing, and I'm, I'm hearing you talk about, you know, potentially, for, if I'm a business owner and, and I'm elevating people in my company, but I think the, the first step even before that is for me to be able to take a hard look at myself yeah. and ask myself, maybe I need leadership training before I yeah. start getting everybody else leadership training. Any thoughts or um, tips on how we can honestly take a look at our own leadership skills and traits and maybe make the determination that the first step might be for us to engage with you? Well, I think there's a variety of, of assessments. I mean, there's 360 assessments and things like that that will give people that feedback. But I think generally, you know, <laughs> you know, there's not everybody has that self-awareness. I'm not going to say that, but it's been interesting because as we've introduced this engaged leader. So let me just back up and say in the past, you know, we had a, a platform that we would kind of operate the traditional way, working with really large companies, right? Then we introduced this uh, mentoring and what we would hear from the leaders is, you know what, he, who needs that? Our middle managers. You know who needs that? Our, our, our brand new employees. And yes, they do. However, uh, as as leaders, I, I said it before, I'm going to say it again, the higher you go, the more critical mentoring becomes, the harder it is to access. That's kind of been the theme of today's discussion. And, and seeking out those mentors is not always easy to do, especially when you feel like you're the one that everyone's looking to to have all the answers. So as we've been romancing this program and talking to top executives and CEOs, it's been interesting how vulnerable people are willing to be to say, yes, this is valid. I need this and I need I, I need to be able to connect to others, right? And that's where we're creating a space for those leaders to be able to not just be the mentor, yes, we want them to do that, but to also be the mentee to connect to other leaders who are in this space and, and where they can let their hair down and, and really learn from the knowledge and experience of others. Well, that's so, then, so vital because I think that that community, you know, as you're mentioning, Allison, community is so important because it is easy as well, especially for small business owners, to feel like they are alone. Yeah. So I think that, that element where we're allowing that connection is absolutely critical. Yeah. Well, I can attest to that. You know, it's, it's lonely. <laughs> Having those resources is invaluable for sure. Yeah, David? And I just want to finish up with, you know, I think there's confusion in the marketplace with so many different mentors and coaches. Um, and I really distinguish how we can help leaders in three different ways. One, obviously taking people who have been in those situations and in those positions and give them the instructions on what it is and the dummy tax that's been paid. And then there's the teaching component as well, where uh, we need continual education, not just with the mentors who have been there before, but education on how can we apply AI to what we're doing or what are the greatest innovations today, or maybe new 
unbounded neuroplasticity of a leader and the mindset that they take. And then finally, David's frozen. He's frozen. I know. <laughs> Not just me. No, David's frozen. He's on his way to some something. I don't know what I, he was going to say. Too I, usually, like we have these stories that we can fit in, like. Can you hear me? I, I want to get to this point. I know we, we got limited time, but where, where I'm going is that we are lacking people that bring the best out of other people. Um, and you know, elevate these people too quickly. Uh, natural human nature component of, hey, and that's why engagement is so low. And, and it's not just lack of uh, knowledge or this incompetency. It's we don't have the ability to find the best in people and bring the best out of people. Do you see that component with Engage? Are you able to go beyond the mentorship and teaching component and really get to the core of coaching, which is I'm going to you know, give this person their delta, bring the best out of them? Yeah, we do. And so, David, I'm so glad you brought that up, actually, because we've been talking a lot about the benefits of being a mentee, but we actually see more outcomes related to leadership development by engaging your leaders in, in learning how to tactically pour into others. Um, we do distinct, we offer the distinction between mentoring and coaching and in, in that we're drawing on experience and, and it's a knowledge share as you're really mentoring, where coaching is very outcome focused, although sometimes those can bleed into one another. But you just hit the nail on the head. It, it, uh, the irony is, is, is a lot of uh, a lot of people, leaders who who grew up in the organization, either they didn't have the benefit of, of people who really poured into them, and they just had to figure it out them, themselves. Um, so it wasn't modeled for them. Uh, but but by teaching them how to really pour into others and be intentional around that, we kind of take for granted sometimes that it's happening. Um, and, and this is where we can come in to ensure that people are trained, they understand how to do this, um, and they're they're actually doing it with with measurable results. Um, and the last thing I'll mention here is mentoring. We often think about the relationship. It's actually a powerfully efficient way for people to learn and often overlooked because sometimes it's really hard to implement. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you, you brought that up as well. That engagement. That's, that's the, the real magic. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say properly named engage uh, men. We need a higher engagement and accessibility in business. And the best way to do it is to seek help from those who have been there before. And if you want that type of help, I think the key is the quantitative measurement that's available of a true ROI by asking for help from the right people, the people who have the situational knowledge and experience and even relationship capital that can take your business to the next level. Check them out. It's Managing Director of Engage Mentoring, engagementoring.com. Thanks, Allison. Come back and join us. Thank you for your patience. Uh, the internet still isn't... Uh, wholly working for everyone in the world. Thank God, thank God my car is not working like the internet or I wouldn't be able to get anywhere. <laughs> thank you, it's great to meet all of you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Allison. Thank you. Come back and join us, come back and join thank us. You. We got more shows, you're amazing. You. All right, once again, we're God's laughing at me with my well-developed plan, but thank goodness I have the doctors in the house, Dr. Sean Dill and Dr. Lacey Book, always helping others and helping me. I really appreciate you both. All right. There's our next guest, right on time. Hi. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Hello. It's lovely to see you all. It's wonderful to be with you. Oh, we're blessed to have you. Uh, and Deborah is, the, by the way, the co-founder of Ocean Shot and president of her own company here, Deborah Bronson and mm -hmm. Associates. But uh, 
really want to talk about the environment. Uh, and I mentioned earlier yeah. with the mentorshiping, uh, mentorship and entrepreneurial schools and platforms that I truly believe uh, that entrepreneurs are going to save the world. But we need to have sustainability and practices in place to give the entrepreneurs time <laughs> to save the world and figure things out. Uh, and we Absolutely. need organizations like you so that we have clean air, clean water, clean soil in order to facilitate the time. Uh, how do you reconcile the idea of sustainability with innovation in order to facilitate a better world for everyone? So my feeling now is that we, we don't have a lot of time at innovation is where we're really going to start saving the planet. There are so many people today, young people in particular, who are looking at new ways of doing things, new ways of saving species, new ways of creating cleaner air, a better environment for all of us. And the innovation that's coming out is happening so quickly. You were talking about AI, and I'll tell you something about that in a moment. The technologies that are emerging and the rate of take up of these technologies, it actually inspires me. It gets me up in the morning. And, um, and I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. So one of the projects and programs I have is a thing called Ocean Shot. It's a project Ocean Shot. I do it with a man called John Paul DeGioia, who is a billionaire, philanthropist, um, entrepreneur, really great guy, really good friend. And he and I were looking at coral reefs, for instance, and coral reefs are in decline. So we depend on them and billion people a day depend on coral reefs. We depend on them. So any of you who ever go on, on the beach, a tropical beach and you're lying on that beautiful sand with a cocktail, that sand you're lying on comes from a coral reef. Parrotfish chew it up, they excrete it as frass. So you're lying on, on parrotfish frass. So we thank coral reefs for those beautiful beaches and the parrotfish that make the sand. But what's been happening with reefs over time is that they've been declining and dying off. And a healthy reef will break 95% of a wave energy, which means it keeps sand on the beach, it keeps the beach more gentle, great for swimming, particularly for kids. And it stops the waves coming in during hurricanes and storm seasons. We're losing these reefs, they're collapsing. We lose more reef in a day than we can currently restore in a decade. So that's a really sad equation. Mm -hmm. So what we've been doing is saying, how do we step back and rather than just restore corals, why don't we think about restoring that entire function? The, the shape of the reef, the architect of the reef that breaks the, the waves, the biodiversity on that reef, reefs of 25% of the ocean's biodiversity. So how do we do that? And so we got thinking about it and we started to interact with uh, designers, engineers, AI technologies to start to build, literally build reefs to recreate what nature has been doing and then to deploy those in the ocean. And the great thing about this AI technology is we're working with our stream ocean and they have AI cameras on our reefs right now. And they're recording everything that's happening 24 seven. And there is, a, there is a computer back in Switzerland that is learning, learning what, it's, what species are there. So that means you can deploy it all over the world. You don't need to have scientists in places where people can't afford it. So suddenly we're able to scale up reef restoration. We're able to bring this technology to countries and emerging nations that don't have this kind of AI technology because now the computers themselves have learned. So we're very quickly being able to get new science, get new innovation, get it into the ocean, start to make a difference in people's lives and engage the local community. And that to me is this combination of entrepreneurship, innovation, doing good, bringing service to the planet and adding value for future generations that are going to be here. So this is what really excites me. So I totally agree with you. Innovation is going to be key. 
you were talking about mentorship earlier and, and coaching mentorship of the next generation to, to guide them along the path but then they take over and you learn from them that's what i love then the tables are turned it's always so exciting one of the things i think is super interesting and i love this uh, topic is because of the resurgence and popularity of ethical and responsible investing i see so many yes. people that with their investment dollars are not just looking solely at roi they're 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 they're, they're looking for impact impact investing also mm -hmm term that's being used widely now. Um, talk to us about that. How has that affected Ocean Shot? Do you see more people starting to turn and throw their support towards uh, initiatives that have a, a, a brighter upside, not just from a monetary standpoint? Yes, I do. I see that changing. It's changing very rapidly, and particularly for the oceans. So companies are now thinking that investing in ways that, that do good. Now, we're working with a company that's doing golf courses and, and coastal development. And they're now working with us to make dune restoration and native vegetation restoration integrated into their golf courses. And so they get greater resilience. They've now got a more natural environment. And for them, there is a value in doing good. And that investment in nature, that impact investment, if you like, is also creating return on investment for them. So I'm seeing more of that, that investors are willing to, they're willing to look differently at the idea of risk. They're willing to say, my shareholders may want this, but I still have to, to have, have fiduciary responsibility. But they are willing now to start broadening that idea and looking at, looking at ways to invest and scale a little differently than I would say they did five or 10 years ago. But we're certainly seeing it. I think something that's beginning to happen is some of these larger investment houses like the pension funds are now beginning to take notice. And you know, when that happens, you know, you're kind of becoming into the mainstream. So there's a lot of companies out there that are, that are doing this, and I'm hoping that we see more. I love it. And you know, Deborah, I wish that everybody that lived on this planet was as passionate as you are about saving this world, because we would be living in a completely different place. But that's one of the things mm -hmm. that I'm wondering is, is you know, there, we still need the human element. We need the intellect. We need the passion. We need the desire to make a shift and to make a change and come up with the innovations that are necessary to do so. So what would be one thing that you would say to people out there that maybe aren't, are overlooking the need that we have right now to save the planet? What would you say to them to inspire them? I would say you depend on this planet. Everything you do, you do in nature. Whether you build a home, you're building on a landscape, whether you go out for a walk, every single thing we do, we do in nature. And we depend 24-7 on a healthy planet, on a planet to provide us with food and water, and we, don't, we take it for granted. So what I would say is wake up every morning and become aware. Become aware of what it is, gratitude for what you have that nature is giving you. And then start to connect with nature. And people will do that differently. Everybody will find something that speaks to them in their sense of place, wherever it is, whether it's a state, whether it's Europe, whether it's a city, whether it's a rural environment, find that one thing that speaks to you and hold on to it and, and run with it and take action. The most important thing to do is take action. Yeah. And, you know, people sometimes think, oh, my gosh, we have to stop climate change and I can't I can't control the entire climate. But there's one thing you can do. There's something everybody can do. And that does make a difference. It's extraordinary. So just keep doing Thank you. Yeah, good behavior aggregates accelerates and compounds exponentially good results. Uh, and we really have to inspire people. I also love the saying as I talk to children, I said, look, you're really not 
saving the planet. The planet will still be here. You just won't be on it. So think about just mm-hmm. saving yourself. Period. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we have to change that. So we appreciate people like you that are putting their life's mission into saving the lives of this planet. We appreciate you. Tell Jean-Paul I said hello. Uh, we I will do. I will see you year. next week. Yeah. Very good. So yes, we're, we're going to launch. We're going to launch a big ocean shot event, the first ever underwater panel in December. So Jean-Paul and I are down in California with Patty to get set up for that. So come join us in December. I would love to. Water. Yes, I'm, yeah. I live. I live out here. So and he's one of the greatest entrepreneurs in the world, uh, Jean-Paul DiGiorgio, and of course, Paul Mitchell and many other beautiful tequila company and many other things that he does for the good of the earth. So thank you for joining us. We will have you back, especially maybe in December before uh, you do have that event. We'd love to see you. Deborah Bronson, check her out, DebraBronson.com. Thanks for joining us. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Wonderful. You can do good and do well. That's something my friends to uh, my right have taught me, Dr. Sean Dill and Dr. Lacey Book, bringing it and making me look good even when uh, my internet, well, we got a real estate guru in the house. I know we uh, dabble now in real estate, all three of us. And this guy has sold more books than all of us combined. His podcast has more downloads uh, than all of us combined in specificity specificity of real estate. And now he has Open Door Capital, uh, which is aptly named, by the way. I really liked it. Uh, give me an idea of the specialty and focus of Open Door Capital. Welcome to Office Hours, Brandon Turner. Dude, thank you so much. It is, uh, it's an honor to be here. I've been a big, uh, big fan for a long time. So thanks, man. What would awesome. you love me to? Yeah. What do you want? Me, what, what should we talk about, man? Let's talk about Open Door Capital to start. Sure. You know, the, the uh, atmosphere and environment of real estate is changing. The capitalization of real estate is essential. Obviously, interest rates have a big, uh, at least emotional uh, drain on all real estate right now. Uh, where and how does Open Door Capital fit in to open the door to investment in real estate? Yeah, man. So we, uh, you know, I started this thing five years ago. I've been investing for almost 15, almost 20. Jeez, I'm getting old. And uh, <laughs> but started about five years ago, deciding, you know, I want to get into some bigger deals. So started buying apartments, mobile home parks, and now some self-storage. Uh, yeah, things are definitely changing right now, you know, in, in a world where interest rates are at 8%, like how do you make a deal cash flow? Uh, and what we have done and what's working really well is we uh, are looking at assumable debt. It's kind of, a, you know, getting into the weeds a little bit, but you can still, people got a loan three years ago at 3%. There are certain types of large commercial loans where you can assume their loan uh, and then buy it. So we're doing that with a couple of huge apartment complex deals right now. And so we're able in this crazy environment, we're still able to buy a, a deal at 3.7% interest, which is uh, it's one way to make it work right now, for sure. Yeah. Are you buying, are you buying the company? Because one of the things that I look at in, in strategizing is I'm buying uh, companies themselves that not only carry the property and the debt on the property and lock in that rate, but they also sometimes carry lines of credit as well to go out and buy other properties. Have you experienced any of those opportunities? I've, I've not done that yet. I know that is often done. Uh, what we've been done is doing is just like the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, you know, huge yeah. commercial loans. I'll let us assume those are assumable. Those are assumable. FHAs are assumable as well. Yep. So even in the residential space, I want to clarify because they did spend a lot of time due diligence when people talk about this opportunity. Don't waste your time unless the the loan that they have is assume, assumable. Yeah. A lot of people go down that track and they're like, 
oh, I had a great deal. And then I found out, you know, conventional loans, not assumable. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a good clarification. Anyway, my two friends are dabbling as well in real estate. So I don't know which one of these entrepreneurs have the best question, but we'll soon find out who's going first. I'll go first. So Brandon, uh, first of all, thanks first. so much for being on. Um, love the concept of Open Door. Um, let's talk to anybody who's watching um, that might not understand, you know, for something like Open Door. I mean, we see so many um, entrepreneurs, we see so many real estate investors, social media is full of people who are doing well. Um, unfortunately, we don't see the ones that are not doing well. Mm. Fortunately, you fall into the category of doing well. But let's talk <laughs> about the opportunity that Open Door provides for people to sort of get their feet wet, to jump in um, and leverage your knowledge, leverage not just your knowledge, but your dollars and your relationship capital to jump into some of these deals to minimize some of their risk exposure um, and not necessarily feel like, especially in turbulent times like today, where they're putting everything on the line against a very limited knowledge base. Yeah, man. Uh, great question. All right. So I've been doing this since the beginning. Let me take you back about 15 years and I'll answer your question indirectly here. Uh, I found this property like 15 years ago. It was a crappy little triplex. I really wanted to buy it and I had no money. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm young. I'm in my young twenties and I'm like, how do I buy this property? I know it's a good deal. And so I was talking to this guy actually of all places at church, this guy slightly older than me, had a good job, good career, worked for the County. And I was like, huh, you know, like I, I found this really great deal. I'm just looking for a partner who could work with me on it. They bring the money, the down payment, and I bring the deal and I'll manage it. And we'll just split all the profits down the road. And the guy was like, okay. And so we did it. We bought this deal. And for every year, for the next, whatever, 15 years, we just, every year we make a bunch of money on this one little triplex together. And that was that concept. I just took and I made it into a, you know, almost a billion dollar portfolio at this point. So we've got 2000 people just like that who have said, Hey, I've got money, but I don't want to deal with the headache and the hassle and the, and the, the, the team building and the, the, the grime of real estate. And so that's what we do. We split everything with investors. We have the limited partners, which are people who invest their money in. And then we have me and my team, which is the general partners. And we work together. So yeah, and, and being kind of a, I hate this term, but I'll say it, like, you know, being an influencer in the real estate space. Uh, yes, it helps me raise capital. But the number one thing that helps me do is raise people, right? Like, like, like business is people, right? We all know that we're all business people. So it's like, I'm able to find incredible people because they want to work uh, with the guy that they see on the podcast and who wrote the books and all that. So uh, people who invest with me, the limited partners get to kind of harness that, that network of some of the best people in the country uh, all working together. And then at the end of the day, they get majority of the profits. We typically split things around 70, 30. So I get about 30% and the investors get 70. So it's a good way to do it. And in fact, I would argue that majority of people today buying just normal real estate deals, like, you know, hey, I want to buy a duplex or whatever, are probably getting worse returns that you'd get investing with a company like mine. And it's a hundred times easier. It's not always the case. And there are ways to good, make good money in real estate today on your own. But shoot, with interest rates at 8%, it's, it's hard to find anything that works these days. Mm. Well, Brandon, I would love for you to speak to the listeners that are paying attention right now and they're thinking to themselves, but I don't have a lot of money. I really want to get started. I want to get into real estate. I want to invest, but I feel like what Brandon's talking about, I don't fit there because I may not yeah. have enough. So what would you tell them to do? Cause we're talking about lifting people up. So how do they get started? 
Yeah, I'll go back. You know, that original story I said earlier about my, my partner, the guy who I partnered with, his name was Gary. And so my name is Brandon. So you can either be a Gary or you can be a Brandon, right? If you've got money, be the Gary. If you've got, if you got hustle and drive, like really there's like three things you need for a real estate deal. You need money somehow. You need knowledge and you need action, right? Those three things, you have those three things together and you're fine. So if you don't have the money, then just get the knowledge and the action, learn how to do it and then take action. And I, I promise you, like for everyone listening, there are far more people who have money than are willing to do the action and gain the knowledge. So like knowledge and action is actually the rare and valuable skill here. Like that's the thing, like that is so much more valuable than having a hundred thousand dollars or $200,000. Those people are dime a dozen. They're out there. Uh, but what's hard is people willing to work for it. And so I just say work for it. Uh, and, in build what you don't have in cash make up for incompetence and in hard work. Great. Yeah. And you've done that on multiple platforms. And what I love about you, Brandon, is you are elevating others to elevate yourself, building in that community of people that are helping each other and know people that can help each other meshing the capital, even with open door capital, uh, with the grind and the grime, as you suggest in real estate, which is as my wife manages my properties uh, and I get all the feedback of, yep. Hey man, why don't you call Brandon? Let him do this for us. We'll share a 70, 30, 70, 30 split. Sounds fine with us. Uh, mm. so she may be calling you and figure out some deal. That's she's like, <laughs> she liked, she liked to be a Gary and yeah. uh, she's, <laughs> she's married to the Harry. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Brandon, come it. back and join us, man. I love your I love books. I, lo- I love your podcast. Hopefully you'll start a new one as well. Thank uh, you. educating people on how to deal with the external circumstances. But the good thing about real estate, one thing I know, and best lesson I always tell people is look, Uh, If you can buy or get into a property, whether it's with someone or without, that you don't have to sell, uh, history will teach you how to make money with it. And so if we're fortunate enough in real estate to have that circumstance where you buy a property that you don't have to sell, knowing your time and risk tolerance is essential. But people like Brandon Turner will tell you the truth and they'll let you uh, utilize the skills, knowledge and desire that you have in real estate to make money, help people and have fun. Join us again, my friend. It's great to see you. Thank you. You too, man. Thank you. You're awesome. All right. We made it. Mobile Meltzer and his two best friends, the BFFs, are in the house. That's Dr. Sean Dill and Dancing Lacey Book. And she's a, doc- she's a doctor as well. All right. We have a, a close that we normally do. I think you guys are familiar with it. It's called Takeaway of the Day. I want to compliment the producers of the show, Raluca and Gigi, who always help bring the best guests. And they are aligned. So I'm going to start ladies first. Dr. Lacey Book, what's your takeaway? Uh, takeaway is just hard work is what counts, right? I think everybody that, that was on here, the sentiment was the same. We can lift up the planet. We can lift up others. We can lift up ourselves. Um, if we're willing to do the work, whether that's in mentorship or leadership or investing in real estate, it all comes down to, do you have the belief that you can have it? And are you willing to go after it? I love it. Dr. Sean Dale, my friend, best friend, by the way. Hey, I think that my takeaway is that we're not alone. And I think that that was the commonality on all of the guests today. Um, They were either um, elevating themselves or elevating others. Um, I felt like, you know, we had four guests. It was awful reminiscent of the Arizona Diamondbacks last night going back to back to back to back on your L.A. Dodgers four home runs in an inning. Well, you guys, uh, I got to hand it to Raluca and Gigi. Four home runs in a single show. (laughs) 
I love Spondale, but I hate the Dodgers. So I was I was happy. I'm a Padre fan, remember? So we're good. We didn't even make the playoffs. Um, it's so good. It, you know what I found interesting is that it's the coaching aspect. I, I think I pointed it out early in mentorship that we get so focused in on the steps and the teaching and all the courses and podcast and influence and influence, as I call it. But But in the end, are you here trying to bring the best out of others and yourself uh, and reflecting upon what we can do, not limiting our potential with the self-image that has fear getting in our way, but instead, you know, really searching for three things, light, love, and lessons. And I think all four of our guests, all four of our home runs, as Dr. Sean Dill has stated, uh, they're people who, whether it's the environment or real estate or entrepreneurship or innovation, they're really seeking what they want, light, love, and lessons and everything. And that's part of what uh, the premise of this show is about, to help other people find the light, the love, and the lessons. And when they come to best friends, I'm lucky. It's easy to find light, love, and lessons in Dr. Sean Dill and Dr. Lacey Buck, who will be out here at the end of the month. If our last uh, VIP dinner, by the way, in San Diego is anything, anything at all, like we experienced last night, you will not want to miss joining all three of us, we have an intensive mastermind. We have only a couple spots left uh, on October 28th. We have a VIP dinner uh, that is going to rock the world. The people that are committed to coming are exceptional. And then if you'd like to join us, we're going to be on the field in the field suite for the Chicago Bears, the best team in football, the Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler. Friends of mine are going to kick the Bears butt and my friends here with me want to share that experience. So come to the intensive mastermind, come to the VIP dinner, or come to the game, or come to all three or two of the three, but join us. Email me, david at dmelter.com, and join all three of us. We will be pouring into our community of people that want to help each other and know people that can help each other. I love you both. Thank you for taking the time to join me. Call me after your talk. I will. Thank okay. you. <laughs> This is the only way Sean and I talk on on shows. Like we're like on TMZ and he's like, call me. I was like, dude, you could have just texted me. This is national TV. Uh, anyway, I love that guy. Uh, we are about to go speak here. Last minute speech in Irvine. David at dmelcher.com. But remember, most importantly here on Office Hours, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you later, alligator. <laughs>